it's Dr. Travis Stork. First off, I want to thank each and every one of you who has downloaded my podcast and is listening right now. Really appreciate it. Hope you're enjoying these podcasts as much as I'm enjoying talking to my guests. Today in the Travis Stork Show, we have Chase Rice. He is a country music singer who has lived an incredibly interesting life, which is why I was so excited to talk to him. He's a a former college linebacker at uh, University of North Carolina, then ended up getting recruited into essentially a NASCAR pit crew, which uh, if you've ever seen what these guys do, takes incredible athleticism. One thing led to the next, and um, Chase is one of those guys who never intended to be a singer-songwriter, but that's exactly what he's become. And he talks a lot in today's episode about the time, commitment, perseverance to perfecting his craft. And I think his music's become so popular because not only is it of a great quality, but the messages are, are messages we can all relate to. I also really enjoyed talking to Chase today. Um, even though, hey, we went to rival schools. I went to Duke. He went to UNC. Both Nashvillians, but I also talked to Chase this episode about his recent appearance on The Bachelor, and for those of you that don't know the background, he went on the show to sing his his music to promote his new album, which a lot of, a lot of singers do because it's a great platform. Obviously, a lot of people watch The Bachelor, and hence, a great place to, to sing your music, but unbeknownst to Chase... One of the contestants on the show, Victoria Fuller, is someone that he knew and had dated and was on a date with The Bachelor, Peter Weber, and of course created a bit of drama that Chase didn't want any part of. So we talk a little bit about that and how that unfortunate scenario unfolded for him. But I think the thing I liked the most after having the chance to spend some quality time talking to Chase is that He's evolved. He talks about evolving. He's down to earth. And I got to tell you, even though we're, we're social distancing right now and, and essentially isolating, I, uh, I'm looking forward to our follow-up conversation over a glass of whiskey. I hope you enjoy getting to know Chase Rice a little bit better, uh, much like I did. So Chase, I... Uh, I hope you're holding up good right now, but I have to say I was going through looking at all the stuff you've done in your life. You've lived a hell of an interesting life so far. Yes, I have, man. It's been a, it's been a wild ride, man, but that's the way I want it. I, uh, I enjoy adventure. I enjoy living the way you should live and we only got one life and, uh, and I want to live it the best that I possibly can and meet the most people and have the most fun and, and, uh, and I'm doing that. Well, I, so what's funny is I was looking through all the things you've done and, uh, our lives have intersected at various points throughout the way, but not obviously directly, but the one thing that you've done that I, I just have to ask you about it because I've watched NASCAR races, but I've, I've always been mesmerized by the pit crews and what they do. Yeah. What what was yeah, that like and how in the world, because you've done a lot, you played football in college at UNC and I know that you had an injury and ultimately you got recruited to, uh, to do this in NASCAR, but how did, like, how does that even happen? How do you end up working for NASCAR in that capacity? Yeah, that's just people and connections and, and God putting the right people in my life and him putting me in their life at the right time. There was a guy named Chris Berkey who was the a GA, so young, real young coach at University of North Carolina when I was a freshman. So his, his job was to run the scout team, the, the new guys that weren't going to play at all that year, the redshirted or just weren't good enough to get on the field. And his job was to run that. And I was, I was a freshman that year. I redshirted, so I wasn't getting on the field at all. So him and I became close that year because it sucks. It's a lot of sucky work for him. It's a lot of sucky work for me as a freshman and all that. So we got real close, and then he left after that year to go to the Dolphins, and he left the Dolphins, go to Hendrick Motorsports to start this race, uh, the, to just start this program to see if you could bring in ex-athletes and make them faster in the, in the pit crew. And I was first class of either 9 or 11, I can't remember, and that was in 2010. They brought us in, and, and uh, yeah, and that was, that was it. I mean, it, it was very clear from the beginning that we could do the job very, very well because we were athletes, you know. So that's how that happened. What position did you play in football? 
I was a middle and outside linebacker, both. So kind of that combo of strength and speed that I guess works really well in the pit crew. Exactly. All right. So I, I have to ask then um, that you said though, during that time that you didn't, and tell me if I'm wrong, but that you, you didn't really fit in or you felt a bit alone. Is, is that, was, was that a time in your life where you, I don't know if you enjoyed the act of, of working with NASCAR, but was it more so the realization that, you know, this, this isn't my long-term path or what was that all about? Um, that could have very easily been a long-term path for me. The job itself and the, and the organization itself, Hendrick Motorsports were all amazing. It, it, everything on paper was like, man, I couldn't play in the NFL. That sucks. My dream can't come through there. Um, injuries and, and just, it just, it wasn't my path. Um, but injuries really, really hindered me from even having a shot at that. And then all of a sudden, what do you do next? And for me, it was, this was put in my path, which is like, oh man, on paper, this is the perfect opportunity for me to have a, you know, a five, 10 year career in this. And, and then you can also do side jobs. You can get in contracting and make a ton of money doing that while working in the pit crew, which is what I was planning on doing. Um, but the whole time I was there, I was just like, man, this just isn't uh, every on paper. It's everything I should want um, outside of football. I don't have to do a real job. I don't have to sit at the desk, but I'm miserable. Yeah. I didn't fit in with the guys at first. Now all of us, funny enough, now all of us are, are good buddies, but we were all living in hotels. We were, um, cause we were just a trial and error type thing, you know? So we were living in hotels and, and I'd go home every single day and start writing songs. And that drove Nick Covey, my roommate, absolutely crazy. And I don't blame him for that. <laughs> it's like, he had to sit here and listen to all these shitty songs that I was writing because um, they weren't good. But I was, I was, you know, you could tell there was something there. Um, well, I could anyway. They probably couldn't. Yeah. So it was just, it was that thing where there was a hole there. And I always knew, I knew Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia Line was living in Nashville, doing it for real, going to Belmont. And I'd grown up with him. So him and I always stayed in touch and we were just buddies. And they, that was before they were Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. And man, it just, I just kept in contact with him and I visited him a couple of times. So did you grow up playing music, writing songs, or was this, was the time that you began playing around with it? Was it when you were working in the pit crew for NASCAR? No, it was, uh, I grew up about a year before the NASCAR thing, but it was that, that recent in life. Um, I didn't know how to play guitar about a year before I learned how to play guitar. I learned how to, you know, my dad passed away. I wrote my first song about him and that was in 2010 and it just kind of, I just loved it right away. I wasn't very good. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I and mean, I wasn't planning on really moving to Nashville. That was crazy. I just enjoyed writing songs. But man, I, as soon as I got that bug to record and write songs, I, I loved it right away. Well, I think one of the things that you're, as I look at your life's path and what I'd love to chat with you a little bit about today is going deeper in terms of finding your, what's authentic to you. Um, before I get dig deeper there, which, which I, I just read a great article about you way back in 2017 and even talking about your transition in the music industry. But before I get there, um, just because your path, it really has been all over the place. So athlete injured, um, you mentioned your work for NASCAR, but what, what happened and how did it come along that you ended up on survivor Nicaragua? Was it, was that just another thing in life that just happened to occur due to serendipity? And you said, what the hell, let's go do this. Yeah, hundred percent. That, that, that's right in line too with uh, with the order that it happened. It went from football to to uh, to NASCAR, then all of a sudden to Survivor. And it was uh, yeah, I was I had a weekend off, and I had a, a girl from college just text me randomly out of nowhere. Apparently, she knew one of the recruiters that recruits for those shows, and she said, "Hey, would you?" I didn't know that existed either, but she said, "Hey, would you want to be on Survivor?" And I responded, "Sure, why not?" I was just like, "Okay," and that's weirdest text I've ever gotten. And I'd never watched the show. I didn't really know what it was about. I just knew of it because it was so popular. Um, you know, it's been popular for so long. Um, so, yeah, man, it, it just uh, I went through that whole process with the people in L.A. Didn't enjoy the process. Um, bullshitted my way through it. I didn't really care because I was like, this is not going to happen. One, two, I wasn't a fan of the show, so I didn't care enough to try. And somehow that turned into them liking me. Um <laughs> I don't know how, but, um, yeah, so it turned into, to that and, and, and I ended up going on the shows that pretty much that simple. And that's why I ended up not working in NASCAR anymore. Cause 
when I got done with the show, I came back, um, to, you know, my coach and I'd lost 38 pounds. And I just kind of said, man, he looked at me like, yeah, he was like, dude, you can't do this job right now. You physically can't even hardly walk. Um, which he was right. I couldn't. The, the survivor Nicar- Nicaragua diet. Yeah. It's a good one. If you want to lose weight for sure. You know, it's funny because that, that experience you had ending up on survivor is very similar to my experience ending up as the bachelor, which I don't know if you know oh, okay. that, that uh, many years ago I was out to dinner after an ER shift in Nashville and a casting director came up to me and a bunch of ER folks and it was complete serendipity. I didn't watch the show. I wasn't, I just knew it was incredibly popular and yeah. one thing led to the next and survivor was huge. You know, survivor has been a long, around for so long. Bachelor has been around for so long. Both of them are really, I think, I mean, when you think of old school reality TV, that's it, but it's funny, yeah, because I, but I did what you did. I actually, everyone in the ER was like, Travis, you're crazy. You have to, play this out and see what happens. So a couple of people picked up some shifts for me and I flew out to LA. And of course the entire time, like you, I'm thinking no way I, 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 let's just see what happens here, but I don't think I really want to do this. There's no way I'm, I'm an ER guy. How am I going to get time off? And yeah, within a month I was in Paris because we taped in France and like, holy, you know, holy shit can an experience like that just change things for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is you understand as much as I do then getting in there. It's, it's not reality. It's the furthest thing from reality and, and survivors less of that bachelor through the, the thing that I just went through. Um, and I ended up seeing like two episodes this season. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of sick. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a sick way to go about life and a sick way to even think. Um, and, and these people get a lot of pleasure watching it. And I understand that because it is very entertaining. Um, people get a lot of pleasure out of the fame they get from it. That's not me. I, I hate that aspect of it. I, I don't, for me, if I never have fame, but I have music and, and my music speaks to people and, and I can play to 50,000 people, then walk out of that stadium or arena and then go hang out with my family at steakhouse at a steakhouse or something. That's amazing to me. I, but these days you see it, it's like people are just craving the fame and the Instagram and all that. And it's kind of sick and disgusting. Um, but that's the world we live in right now. Well, what's I, I will say as a shout out to the old school way of life, you know, truth be told, when I went on The Bachelor, I had no idea what I was doing. And yet having said that, I was very straightforward with them. And I said, look, I'm I'm a doctor first. I'm not going to go over there and play all these games. I, I'm definitely up for like you said, an interesting experience in life. But I will tell you that after my experience was very different than the way it is now. I have no idea the way things are playing out now. Pretty much my very first night there, um, I said, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm here, I'm hanging out and you film it and no one, no one tried to produce me at all. And yeah, that, yeah, that, that's real. I mean, that, you're going to get was real reactions out of that. And that's what I, that's when I say it's sick and disgusting. I'm not calling the people that go on it sick and disgusting at all, because like I said, I've been on reality TV. I would never, I wouldn't just call anybody that, especially not knowing them, but the process and the way people are treated and the way people are made to look, that's sick. And, and it's, it, it's addicting. People love it. People love watching it. It's entertaining. Um, but it's, furthest thing from reality and, and it makes people do a lot of things that they would normally never do and it, it's a you know it's just it's not my cup of tea well but that's that's also in many ways i i was very late to social media because when i came so i came back from the bachelor and i actually moved to the mountains of colorado and i was an er doc up in the mountains and working in denver and that's awesome yeah i was kayaking skiing mountain biking and then this you know the doctors came along because Dr. Phil and his son Jay reached out and said, look, we think you would be good hosting a show about medicine. And anyway, fast forward all this, the the current world we live in, I'm way behind the times because I just started an Instagram account probably a few months ago. And that's because my wife, (laughs) you know, my wife, she is, she's much more um, comfortable with the world as we currently know it. But because of that, 
she has me watching The Bachelor now, and I watched the episode where you were on it this last season, and yeah. I felt so bad for you because I know why you went. You went on because you were promoting your music that you care about, and it's a good platform for, for promotion. But yeah, that was that whole thing felt. That's why we did it was to promote to promote my music, and that's all it was supposed to be. And I, I did end up telling. I told my publicist and my manager before I went on. I said. Y'all, this is uh that I know somebody that's gonna be on this show. Um, is that gonna be weird? Um I don't really wanna be involved that way at all. Like it was it wasn't not really like if I'd have known they were gonna do that, I wouldn't have done the show. But they said, No, it's gonna be fine, they're not gonna do that to you. Um, they're not gonna involve you that way. They've never done it before, so I can't really blame them for thinking that. But then you look back and you're like, We're a bunch of idiots for believing that. And yeah, it was just it was it was it wasn't really, to be honest, that awkward because I kind of saw it coming. When when we got there that day, they said the girl's name was Victoria. Um, and then my trainer's wife was real, real into it. She was looking at a bunch of stuff. And and she said that the other chick has already been on her date, um, which I guess meant that it was going to be the Victoria that I knew. Um, so I, about an hour before I went on, I found that out. So it was 90% sure that it was going to be her. When she turned the corner, I just started laughing. I was like, they really just did this, man. Um, which is weird <laughs> because for here's what here's the thing. You know as well as I do. When you sign up for a show like that, to be a contestant or whatever they call them on the show, you sign up for anything. Anything goes, they got you by the balls. Um, I didn't sign up for that. And that was the weird, the weird part that really, really, really bothered me at first. Looking back on it now. It is what it is, man. It ended up bringing new people to my music. It did end up, for me, if, as long as it takes people back to the music, it, at the end of the day, that's all I care about. And it did. Um, and that's what matters. And, and uh, that's why I'm not pissed off at anybody. I, I was pretty fired up at first. It's like, man, that's just, it was just unnecessary. But end of the day, it worked in my favor. Um, it did suck for Victoria. It sucked for Peter. Um, but, you know, they signed up for that. And, and that's just part of their, their deal. Well, you, you mentioned something earlier, and I believe this to be very true in life. Um, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. And if nothing else, that that's like one more thing in your life that you experienced. And having said that, I'm not sure many other uh, singers are going to volunteer to perform on this show anytime soon. No, I probably wasn't smart of it. I don't know. I think they'll, they'll get plenty because there's a lot of up-and-comers. Um, that have less success than me um, that are going to want that opportunity. And I don't really blame them for that. Um, plus, I doubt they'll do that again. They did it once, though, so you never know. Focusing on what really matters in life to you, um, you're in Nashville now. What part of Nashville do you live in? I'm south. I'm in, I'm in like the Brentwood Franklin area. Okay. Yeah, you, my wife and I live in Nashville, too. And um I, when I knew I was interviewing you, I went on your Instagram and I saw some woods and I felt, I, I could tell that you were, you were in the part of Nashville that's, it's got some, some space to breathe, but you moved there first yeah, of yeah. all, you, I mean, I'm assuming when you moved there initially, you didn't really know what the future had in store. No, I was just, uh, I was just cocky and knew that I was going to be good, even though I shouldn't have knew, known that because I was bad. I wasn't good at all. Um, I had so much to learn. I still have so much to learn, but I, I moved in with Brian and Tyler and that gave me confidence, not because Brian and Tyler were anybody. Nobody gave it. Nobody cared about them at all. I don't know what, if I'm allowed to cuss on this or not. I cuss a lot. Sorry. Hey, um, that's it. Chase, I've learned something. So when I host my TV show, I cannot curse. It gets bleeped out. But, but on this platform, you can say anything you fucking want to say. Cool. <laughs> and, there you so, go. We're good to go then. Yeah. No, but man, I just moved in. Nobody gave a shit about Brian and Tyler from FGL because they hadn't done anything. Um, I hadn't done anything. And, but you could tell Brian and Tyler were real, real good. They were way better than I was. Um, and so I was learning a lot from them in the songwriting rooms. Uh, they just established, you know, like first conversation I had when I moved there was, with Brian, man, we're going to start this thing called Florida Georgia Line. You'll meet Tyler later tonight. And I did, and we all became buddies and, and just started writing songs together. And that was what gave me a lot of confidence, not because I was good, but because I was surrounded by people that were good and that I was learning from them how to write songs better, how to sing better, how to play guitar better. And 
And to have your own crew like that was huge for me because you can get you can get lonely real quick in this town. And that was just massive for me to, to have those guys um, to learn from and for them, hopefully, to learn a little bit from me, too. And then you you had a lot of early success. And I'm curious that point at which and this gets back to an article I read about you, I think, back in 2017. And, and this honestly was the big reason why I wanted um, I thought it would be great if we could chat because you talked about seeing the real me. You talked about this concept of authenticity and I can tell in just the 20 minutes or so we've been chatting that you're all about being real. And and honestly, that's, yeah. I, that's what life is. And, and I've always, since I was a, in college, I remember trying to live by, by the credos of above all else to thine own self be true. That old Shakespeare quote. And, like in today's yeah. world, I agree with you. Almost everyone is just trying to be or do whatever they need to do on Instagram. Any, They're always looking externally. But it seems to me like you, so you're in the music industry. You've had, you've had some success, but then you went through this period where it sounds like you were, you felt like you were maybe singing the songs or doing the things that others wanted you to do, but then you realized that you needed to be 100% authentic. And that's sounds like where you're at now. Yeah, hundred percent. I, and it wasn't necessarily that I was doing what other people wanted me to do. It was that I was doing what I thought I needed to do to be successful. It wasn't really anybody else telling me I needed to do something. I, I don't listen very well. Even back then I wasn't listening to too many people. Um, so I was more doing what I thought I needed to do to be successful. I, at the same time, I don't blame myself for that because I was such a rookie to it. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, that following the success of Cruz right into Ready, Set, Roll, why would I not keep going down that road? It's like, oh my God, this just sent me into a, a, a rocket in outer space, you know, of success. Um, why would I not? So I don't blame myself for that at all. It's like, at the end of the day, it's just learning. I just learned a hell of a lot about myself. I learned a hell of a lot about how good and bad of a songwriter I was and what I was good at and what I was bad at. Um, and that's all led to, I mean, hell, I've only been doing this for less than 10 years. So that's all led to where I am now. Of Okay, now I know what I'm good at and what I enjoy. Let's figure out a way to put those two together. And that's what the album part one, I think, is. And even Eyes on You. That was a, Eyes on You was a huge learning song for me to realize, oh man, I love this and it's, it's, uh, and it's good, man. It's, uh, I wrote something down. I'm looking it up. I wrote it in my, I got a little quote book that I keep that I just write a bunch of stuff down. And I just had this thought yesterday. It was like, my best work is not, is not mainstream. If I just put a lot of that out and like, if I focus on that and just put a lot of that out, Maybe it'd be a culmination of such good work that hell, it might just become mainstream. And that means that my best work, you know, my songs like Carolina Can, Jack Daniels and Jesus, um, Forever to Go, Messy, everywhere on this new album, Lonely If You Are. It's not really the most mainstream sound. It doesn't sound like what you're hearing for the most part on country radio or, or radio period, but it doesn't matter. If I just do the best thing that I can do and it ends up being great work, that's going to become mainstream at some point because people are gravitate towards great work. If that makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask you two questions in that vein. Then the first one is when it comes to singing and songwriting, how do you, so I, I've, I've done a lot of different things in life. People don't know that, but I, I went to med school late. It's, it's kind of considered a traditional path, but for, for me, it wasn't, I mean, I come from a family, no one's been a doctor. I don't come from academics. And I was like, wow, I think being, an ER doc would be a really interesting life. And yet the path to become an ER doc, pretty straightforward. You, you have to, to take all your post-baccalaureate pre-med classes, which I did um, at night. You apply to medical school. If you're lucky enough to get in, you do four years of medical school, you choose your residency, and then you get out and theoretically practice your craft. In music, at what, like, at what point, like when you're trying to get better, how does that look? There's no playbook. It's not as though they say, hey, Chase, in year one, we're really going to work on the dexterity of your hands with the guitar. Year two, we're going to focus on your lyrics. How, how do you work on your craft in a way that the trajectory every year puts you at a place where you can look in the mirror 
authentically and, and stare back at yourself and say, man, Chase, I'm getting better. Yeah, I think that's that's something that I didn't do at the beginning of my career and it showed. Um, but that's okay because, I mean, you look back at the beginning of my career, the songs, some of them were absolute trash. Some of them showed some hope, but they were just very raw, which is why a lot of people love those songs. And they look back it's just because it's music in its rawest form, which in a way is pretty cool. It's real different than what everybody else does because it's so raw. And then you start looking at it, it's like, man, I get it, it's raw, but it's not good. <laughs> it's not very good music. And it's not really what I want to be doing. I, so I guess the easiest thing would be like what you would do. You would go to the ones that did it before you um, and, and ask them or talk to them or learn from them, be in the room with them, whatever. I would, I would go listen to other artists. I'd go listen to guys like Springsteen. Go listen to Blink-182. Go listen to Eminem. Go listen to Garth Brooks, Kenny Chesney, George Strait. And that's the best way for me. Hell, Ed Sheeran, you can learn a lot from that guy. I mean, he's an unbelievable musician, unbelievable songwriter. I think one of the best we've ever seen. So I think that's how. You, you go listen to these other people. And the thing is, you can listen to them and learn from them without becoming them. If I try to be George Strait or Garth Brooks, I'm going to fail 100% of the time um because they're the only ones that can be that good and they can be themselves so that was a key for me and still is the key for me I, I like to listen to people who are just better than me that i know are better than me and that that gives me a hope that i'll just become the best singer songwriter that i can be in my own style and it's interesting listening to you say that because it gets back to maybe a concept that no matter what you do in life you you follow people who are really good at, at the craft and I know in in medicine way back in the day when I was a med student, I'd latch on to some of these attending doctors or in the ER when I was learning the guys that always seem the guys and gals, the men and women, to put it more appropriately, who they're so cool, calm and collected. You go into this chaotic trauma scene when you're young in your career and you see the people that the docs that walk in and they just take charge. And I watched and I learned, I took notes and it sounds like in some ways, in in some ways, music or anything you do in life, that's what you have to do to get great is you watch and you learn and then you build on that. Because I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, living in Nashville, I've been there now for a long time and I'm not a huge, I respect the heck out of music because I respect the heck out of talent and you can't fake talent. You either have it or you don't. I love sports too because you can't fake talent you're either you're either good enough or you're not good enough and it's the thing that I love about someone who's passionate about making music is there's a real skill there and it's and it's it is talent based when push comes to shove and not everyone who's who's commercially successful is talented unfortunately I think some of the most commercially successful <laughs> acts I'll call them are you know they're not very talented but Right. You said something. I just that think that's going to show. Though. I think that's going to show over time. I think the best of the best. Um, I don't. I don't know if there's a musician out there that has had a long career that sold out arenas and stadiums and continued to do it over 20 years that doesn't have the talent. I think what yeah, and what you're talking about is some of the biggest superstars. You know, you can clearly tell they maybe don't as much, but I think they'll go away. And I'm not saying I'm not mentioning anybody specific. I'm just saying, if you don't have the talent to do it, then then you're not going to be able to do it for very long. You might be the hottest thing on the planet at one point, but you're going to go away unless you craft that talent into making or even the lack of talent and just work your ass off. Um, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But if you don't have the drive or the talent and, and to really go at it for a long, long time and you're just hot at the moment, that's going to go away. And you, I think you know that. Well, an example of that is my wife's dad, he's lived an interesting life too. And he actually was part of the brain trust behind back in the day, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. And it's funny because you, you talk to him and he, he would say over and over again, you know, Justin Timberlake and he has talent. And I'm not saying the other people didn't, but I think the, the cream does yeah. rise to the top over the long term. But I also think I got to give you props for this because I also think being authentic is, and I think people in the long term know, and certainly there are outliers, but when it comes to music and 
getting back to Nashville and, and I think one the genre of country music, which is it's broad now. I don't think it's pigeonholed like it used to be because everyone thinks of Nashville and they think of one thing. They think of honky tonks. They think of they, they don't realize that music has evolved. Nashville has evolved. But the part about being authentic, I mean, that's what to me makes music so great. You can be honest and authentic, but it sounds like you on top of personally writing the songs you want to write, you also have now surrounded yourself by people on your team that support you in that rather than, you know, disregard what you believe is your authenticity. Yeah, hundred percent. And I've had, for the most part, I've had a great team around me that has supported me from day one. There's been a few here and there that I don't know that I've ever had anybody around me that wasn't good at their job. That wasn't really just really good. I've been surrounded by great people. Um, but I've also been out of that. There are a few that weren't supporting me, that weren't supporting me as in whether what I wanted to do and whether they, if they just looked at me and whether they just didn't like me as an artist or person, whatever, and just told me that it would have saved me a little bit of headache. But, um, but that's fine. I mean, you learned the, the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life is fail. I would say, um, because all these failures and all the, whether it's my fault or just external circumstance or just flat out somebody else's fault, you know, I have to take responsibility for that because it's, it all comes back to me. And I've done that. I've surrounded myself with great people. I've surrounded myself with people who are great at what they do. And, and that, that's paying off right now. And they're not only allowing me, but helping me to become the best version of me as an artist and as a person. So I, I want to spend a moment talking about the album part one, because I know part of, part of um, the world is letting people know what you're doing, why you're doing it. Is it true that you wrote that about an ex-girlfriend who is, um, is or was in medicine? I'm asking only because... Yeah, that, that's why... Dude, when you were going over how med school works earlier, I was just laughing. I was like, man, I've lived this. I've seen it. And I've seen it in a way that is absolutely awful. And awful in a way that girl has been challenged more than anybody I've ever seen, including myself. And I think she's still killing it. She, she's in, she's still in med school um, for now, you know, till this virus, unless this virus kills that. And she was laughing about it, well, you know, last week, even we were texting and she was just like, well, I guess, I guess the universe really doesn't want me to be a doctor. And I was just like, I was laughing too, because I've known what she's been through. She's been through a hurricane that dropped her out of med school for a year, not getting into, you know, a med school for an entire year, having to go get her master's finally, you know, failing and completely having a week where she didn't have a clue if she was, she, she got turned down from everybody. And then all of a sudden she calls me one day and says, well, um, I'm going to med school and yeah, she's in Knoxville right now doing it. And now this thing has gotten in her way. So if she becomes a doctor, I don't know. There's a person on the planet that will have earned it more than her. Well, much respect to her. I mean, I also, yeah, you, you've seen the, the system and how it can break someone down. And even for me to this day, it's just the reason I was so taken by your comments about authenticity you know, medicine can beat that out of you if you let it and you have to persevere through these periods where you, you feel like you're this cog in this system and so many things are out of your control. But the one thing that I've learned is always in your control is, and I, I have this journal from way back when I started medical school and it was quotes like, if you have a sick friend or family member, you should feel like you are the absolute best doctor in the world to take care of them. And that sort of drove me to, wow. to work hard. And, you know, I would get out of ER shifts and I'd honestly go to a coffee shop and spend an hour and an hour and a half every day reading EKGs, looking at it, just learning. And that's, that part is, is so hard because, you know, on top of all that, you're, you, you don't know the future, but I mean, that's, was that part of the reason why you two broke up? Was it just the, and I'm not trying to get too personal here, but. No, no, you're fine. Was, uh, was medicine yeah, part 100%. of the, the thorn in the side of the relationship? Absolutely. Um, it, we're just, we're, we're in two very, very different times in our lives. I'm way past where she is. And I'm not saying that for better or worse, it's just where I am in my life. Um, I'm doing my career. I'm in my career. She's trying to get to her career. And 
the thing is, if she lived in the same town as me, I don't know. I don't know what I would see her because she's doing med school and you know how that is. And I'm only here two to three days a week. And then you add on to that. She doesn't live in the same town as me. She didn't. She never has. And that just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I there was even a point where when she wasn't getting into anywhere, she was talking about moving to Nashville. And my biggest thing with anything in a relationship is I want you to do your thing. You have to do your thing. You cannot leech onto me. I I need someone who's independent, living their life, living their job, living their dream. And when we see each other, we can talk about it and, and you know, have that relationship. But it cannot You can't rely on me and I can't rely on you. I've been in relationships like that. And anybody that's been in one, it doesn't work. It just does flat out does not work. You end up resenting the other person. There was talks of her, you know, giving up this dream. And I, I was not having that. And I think now we're, we're in a real good place where she's living her dream. Um, I'm living mine. If it works down the road, it works down the road. If it doesn't, then we're better off for it anyway. So, yeah. I can't imagine uh, I, I the ability. I mean, I can't imagine. It sounds like there's still potential long-term hope for the relationship, but I can't imagine the power of being able to write almost an entire album about an experience, a person you know. It's, it's just funny. I think of all of the relationships in life that people have been in and they come out of them. And they're often trying to figure out how do they communicate with their ex? How do they, you know, how do they share how they're feeling about things? But the ability to use music, what is, what is that like? The, the incredibly personal elements yeah. of music and knowing it's about someone in particular and that person knowing that it's about them. It's what about is, that? is that special? Yeah, is that concerning? Amazing. Is it scary? It's special, amazing, and absolutely dangerous um, because I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I can talk about details of the relationship. I can do all that. And she has zero ways to defend herself. So I, I, I choose not to do that. I'm not going to give too many details uh, in, in these songs of not too, too many um, because she doesn't have a way to defend herself. Um, at the same time, I'm going to try to be as real as I possibly can. So it's, it's a tough line that you have to ride. But I think I've done that. I've done that with songs like Lonely If You Are. I've done that with songs like Everywhere. Um, I have a song called The Nights that I have not put out because I don't know when I can put that out because it's the most personal one of all of them. So, and I think she'll she'll hear it before I ever do put it out because I'm not gonna I'm not just gonna drop that on her. Because, um, like I said, if, if this relationship works out, and that's a dangerous thing as well. I get to do these interviews where yeah. I talk about the relationship and possibly working out. That's not a way to live. She can't be sitting there relying on what if and i can't be sitting here relying on what if it does that's why i think we're in a pretty good place where she is living her dream she's doing everything she can possibly do to live her dream i'm doing the exact same thing and i don't think you know i know from where i am i'm not sitting here holding on to the well what if it does i'm waiting on her i'm waiting on her hopefully she's not she better not be waiting on me because there's absolutely no telling what's going to happen so um as long as you're both living like that i think it's a healthy place to be so I have to ask you as a, a sort of tangential to that right now you're single, right? Yeah. What is, what is that like in terms of, and I can only ask this question because uh, my wife and I are expecting our uh, baby boy in June and it's, it obviously changes everything in terms of how you look at the world. And <laughs> it's, it's funny because yeah, I hear that. You know, I, and I'm hearing you uh, talk about life and independence, and I'm still trying to grapple with this concept that I will never, I will never be truly independent again. In the sense that, obviously, I have to. There, there's, there's a new responsibility that I've never had before. Um, so yeah, you talked about the rock. <laughs> exactly, and so I'm thinking about my life and my future, and I've been commuting back and forth out to California for 12 years, and I, you know, I haven't been home until honestly until coronavirus came. Yeah, like you, I hadn't been home for over a week straight, and since I'd been married, and it starts. You start thinking about life and you start thinking about relationships and what I was, what I was leaning towards is for you, because you seem like a really authentic person, which is awesome in today's world. And so how do you manage everything you're managing? You're in your mid thirties. You've obviously had a ton of experiences. It sounds like at some point in your life, you know, 
there may end up being. Yeah, yeah. Someone. No, I want to get there for sure. So how do you how do you manage right now career travel and dating now, especially that your you know your music has taken off and you know I've <laughs> I, I, I I've seen how it works and you you have to be also extra cautious that anyone you're dating is really into you, not just the scene and fame surrounding you as a, a singer. It, it's easy to get drawn into the guy up on stage, yeah. but as you know, it's really all about when you're sitting on the couch at home or going on a walk in the woods or whatever you're doing. It's, I mean, that's what matters at the end of the day, the fame doesn't yeah. matter. Oh yeah worthless in a relationship if anything it makes the it fame harder. the fame will lead you to being yeah if you rely on the fame for happiness and the glory or that you think you're going to get um you may get it but you're going to end up realizing and being the most miserable you've ever been if that's what you were relying on um if you're trying to get fame you're in anything for the wrong reason you're just flat out wrong and i will never disagree with that but for me, it's been about the fame has come a little bit. It's been more sometimes. It's been less sometimes. Um, it's been about two things. Right now, where I am is I'm focusing on the music. I'm not focusing on a relationship. I'm not trying to find anybody. Having said that, I do want that down the line. I want I want a wife. I want kids. That's the life that I want to live. If I have the most success ever, sell out arenas, sell out stadiums, and I'm one of the greatest selling artists of all time, and I die alone. I don't want that life. That that'll be a life absolute. That'll be a failed life, in my opinion. Uh, for for me, um, if I have less success and I have a family and I have a wife, then um, then I'm very very cool with that. Um, because like I said, again, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and die, you know, alone with with all the money in the world. And the way that I've been focused on that is just surrounding myself with good people. Surrounding myself with, with good men in my life that, that can help me become the man that I want to be. And I'm far from that. I'll openly admit that. I'm not there. I'm still doing stuff where I scratch my head. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? But surrounding myself with good women in my life that, that can teach me to get to the point one day where I respect them enough, or respect a woman enough to, to marry her. You know, that's a huge, huge, you got to respect the hell out of a woman for that. And she's got to respect the hell out of you to go down a road like that. So, um, and there's been plenty of times where I haven't respected women and, and I think all of us have been there. You go back to college, you can, know, most men can look at it and be like, Oh man, I probably shouldn't have done that one. And that's just the reality of life. And that's something that I don't shy away from. That's, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I'm learning from those mistakes and I'm learning from people who are smarter than me. And for me, there's a spiritual aspect behind it too, that is bigger and more important than any of it. And for me, that's God and that's Jesus. And and I promise you, me saying that, there's going to be people, people that hear that and laugh. They're like, God and Jesus, you don't live like that. No, I don't live like that. I don't want to live like that. Because if you read the stories of God and, G and Jesus Christ, it's like he hung out with screwed up people. So I fit right in with, with that man. Um, so yeah, man, I think that's the biggest thing for me is just learning who I am before I go down the road. If I got married right now, if I got married five years ago, I'd be divorced or I'd be cheating on her. I know that for a fact. And so I'm going to wait until I'm in the place where I don't do that. Chase, you're, you're, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you're very young. <laughs> You've got a lot of life ahead. There's no, yeah. if I've learned anything, if you feel like you're, you're being rushed into something, it's just, it's not, not the right time. And one of the blessings that I have is, right. you know, it's kind of uh, a blessing for me. I was thinking back to about a decade ago, I was, you know, you have med school debt, you have, you have all of these questions and I'm in a position now where I've got a baby boy on the way and I've, I've been through so many different experiences and it's, I'm in, a, I'm in the right place and it feels yep. great. But like you said, you, you have to get there. I do want to ask you before, before we uh, wrap this up, because I love how you're willing to go deep. If you look back at your life, what is the one sentinel thing that's happened to you that has had the greatest impact on you and who you are? For me, I think it would it'd be losing my dad, for sure. Um, I was 22 years old when that happened. And and that's that's nothing for any people to deal with, period. It's, it's, it's Everybody has to, but it sucks no matter how old you are, but at 22, that's just a brutal time to lose your dad. And I was completely lost, but I, that led to me 
going to sound absolutely nuts. That was abs- that was 100 percent the worst day of my life, and that's not the nuts part. The the I wouldn't say it's the best day of my life. Um, as well, I would say it was the most impactful way day of my life, and which led to me becoming who I am now. Um, and every every ounce of me wishes that my dad was still here, um, but he's not. He never will be again, but that doesn't mean I don't, I don't remember everything about him. Uh, I remember a ton about him. I remember who he was, and I remember – and it also – I'll never get to know my dad as a man. Um, and talking about me being a man to, to him being a man as well. Um, but I remember who he was as a man, and that's a lot – that's the thing that I think a lot of kids can't say. They don't know their dad. They never knew their dad. Half of them hate their dad, and and that is the biggest thing. I think in this world coming up, why a lot of kids are so screwed up. If you don't have a dad and you can't learn from your dad, it's like, that's a huge, huge hole. I know it has been for me. And, and I, I believe that hundred percent true that every kid needs that. And I'll, I still have 22 years of learning from him and, and knowing, and not even learning from him. It's pretty simple. You look at him. He was, he was always there for me and my brothers. He never missed a game. He loved my mom. He didn't cheat on her. He was one of the greatest men I've ever known. He was spiritual, loved God, family, and and those were in that order. God and family first. And that's something that I can always know and take to my family whenever that is created. And it is and it's even taken to my family now. Um, my mom, my brothers, my niece, my nephew, um, my other nephew who, who was just born. So, man, I'd say that was the most impactful thing. I think that's the most you know, the, the worst day of my life and obviously the most impactful day of my life for sure. It's led me to who I am now and, and still who I'm going to become. Well, I can tell you that your dad, based on talking to you, would be incredibly proud of the man you've become and are becoming because um, you can tell that you've taken a lot of probably the lessons you learned from him to heart. And I'm just thinking about the timeline of your life and he he must be smiling down right now, seeing the success you're having, and probably you know, I mean, think about that. Yeah, and I think for him the, to, I mean, in no world would he have expected this, right? I mean, no, that, I mean that's just no. kind of a remarkable thing. Hell no, he would have never expected this. I couldn't even hardly play guitar when he was alive. But I, it, 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 without even question, he would be, he'd be more proud. He'd be proud of who I am as a, as a man. Um, he'd be proud of who I'm becoming. He'd also be real pissed at some of the things I've done, which is rightfully so. Um, and but he would be proud of the success. But he would he would he he wrote on a a piece of paper on a note before he died. He actually wrote it, it was a it wasn't we didn't expect him dying. He had a heart, heart attack, and the last thing he wrote in it was keep up the good work and keep God first in your life. And, and that was the greatest advice I could ever be given because keeping up the good work that's easy. You know you you got to go to work every day and bust your ass and and try to be as good as you can at what you do. And, but keeping God first in your life, I have done that. And that doesn't, and like I said, there'd be some people, uh, especially women that would laugh at that and be like, I've never seen that side of you. And I wouldn't blame them. But that goes also goes back to the, the what you were talking about earlier. And this is something I got to get better at. As soon as, as soon as you talk about the dating world, as soon as a woman starts talking to me about my music starts, you can tell when you're interested in my music, from a human standpoint or a fan standpoint. And you can tell very easily the two differences. Um, so anytime anybody starts going too much into my music and when I'm in my personal home or when I'm in personal life, I shut down. I'm like, nope, unless it's in a genuine way. And that that would be the answer to your question earlier. It's got to be genuine. I got to be able to see it, that you're genuinely asking me about that from who I am as a person as to who I am as an artist. As soon as you start fanning out on me, I'm not, I'm not going to do well with that. But yeah, I think that uh, that all leads you know me to where I am right now, who I am as a man, who I'm becoming as a man, and who I still have to be, you know, a lot of a lot of work to do, um, to to be the man that I want to be, and then I have a lot of work that I need to do to become the artist that I want to be, and I keep those separate, and and I know which one's most important to me. Wow, and that gets back to you can tell your dad's influence is still there, and you know, that's, that's pretty remarkable. I know right now can't be an easy time in the music industry. And, and I'm speaking as much as anything towards, 
I know how close you become with people that are on tour with you. And I think one of the things I've learned in TV is that people will see me on stage, but they forget about all the people behind the stage and how everyone right now in the music industry is, is suffering in every industry. But if if there's a blessing that comes out of all this just craziness right now, which even as a a doctor, I can't explain the impact of all of this, but you know, gets back to music. The one thing that the tool that you have is the ability to write and sing about things that, that move people and matter. I don't have that ability. Having said that though, I, I bought a guitar, uh, an acoustic guitar in med school because I, felt I was losing my mind if I didn't, if I just didn't find a way to just spend a little bit of time every day that, that didn't involve thinking, just involved doing something yeah thinking of course but it's more of you it's like meditation trying to learn how to play the guitar so moral of the story is i learned how to play the guitar <laughs> but then residence started and i i haven't dusted that thing off except maybe one time and it, since then and you've inspired me because <laughs> I, I i i put it away because i'm thinking i'm not very good at this and i'm not and i never will be but having said that I, it helped me get through med school, just strumming that damn guitar and learning the chords. And so I'm, I'm, you've inspired me. I'm going to grab that guitar and, and start playing again, because if nothing else, if I can play the guitar for my, my baby boy, it's something for us to do. Maybe, you know, you playing guitar and, you know, going playing, playing to your son or is it a boy or girl? Yeah. Baby boy. Okay. Yeah. You playing your son, you could inspire him to be a musician down the road. Uh, it's so uh, yeah, I mean, that's just small stuff you never think about, but it's like he will. I know that. And but for me, the biggest thing with all this is okay, we're downtime. Um, it's screwing me big time financially. I, I'm still paying my band. I'm not gonna let them go unless we dive into the summer. Then I'm gonna have to change something because I can't afford to pay these guys throughout the entire year. Um, so in the music world, it's, it's jacking everything up. Because that's how you guys make uh, most of your. Uh, not to interrupt, but that's how nowadays with the way everything's tourings where where incomes are made for everyone right by far i mean that's that's the biggest by far the biggest income that we make that i personally make um so it's screwing that up but this goes back to four or five years ago if this had happened i'd be wrecked i don't not only be wrecked because i'm losing so much money i'd be wrecked because I, i have to sit alone at my house that for someone who's not a healthy person is is damn near suicidal (laughs) I mean, there's, there's a couple of years there where I, I remember I had vocal surgery and I had to sit up, you know, not speak and be alone for like two or three months, basically, where I couldn't talk. And my God, it wrecked me. I went into depression. I went into, and, and all that led to where I am now. So I'm, I'm glad that it all happened. But somebody asked me the other day if they thought this was going to, you know, derail you know, the momentum that I've got right now. I was like, hell no, I'm going to keep creating. I'm going to keep writing music. And as soon as we're allowed to tour again, I'm going to do that too. And I'm going to do it the best that I can. And if it does derail my momentum, that's nothing new. That's been, that's happened a hundred times before. All I can control is writing songs, putting out the best music that I can put out and, you know, being good to people and, and living life, man. It's, it's, uh, you were asking, you started this whole thing with talking about, I've had a crazy life. My buddy, who's, uh, he's a guy in the Navy. He, he sent me this the other day or showed it to me. I was with him. He said, man, he showed me a sign. It said, life's journey is not to arrive at the grave safely in a well-preserved body, but rather to skid in sideways, totally worn out, shouting, holy shit, what a ride. <laughs> and that's what, <laughs> that's the way I want to live my life. And you can't do that depressed, sad, lonely. You got to take care of who you are as a person, your mental health. You got to take care of, of, of the people around you and, and be friends with people and let them be friends with you and let them love you and you love them. And that's what this time's all about right now. Chill out, take some time, go out on the front porch and read a book. It's not, it's not only not that bad, it's, it's amazing. Because after two or three days of this, your mind finally slows down and you're like, ah, take a deep breath and you're, you're good to go. We'll be back to playing music here soon. I'm not too worried about it. Well, keep writing songs because you're good at wax and poetic. I love it. And how can, how can people support those in the music industry right now? I mean, obviously so many concerts have been canceled many of them i'm sure will be very difficult to make up what what is the best way that people who are fans of the industry and you in particular how how best 
can that support come? Because people forget you are, because you're a good dude. You're paying your, your crew because you know that everyone, everyone from, from bottom up is, is going through a, just a crazy time right now. So if, if someone can't obviously go see you or, or their favorite performer live, what, what can they do? Cause that's, that's where the world has become so crazy. Back in the day you go by, you know, you go by CDs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I would say well, the thing is you can't tell people to go buy a bunch of stuff because they're dealing with the same thing we are. Money's not going to be coming in for a little bit um, for a lot of people. So I would just say be the best fans that they can possibly be. Go listen to the music, go, go jam to it, enjoy it and be ready to go. I would say the biggest thing is be ready to go when this thing kicks back up because it's going to kick back up. Music will be live again and be ready to go. Just be the best fan you can be. Go listen to the songs, go listen to albums, go check out a whole album every now and then. You got plenty of time now. Don't just check out the singles. Go check out the albums. Listen to the, the whole thing from front to back on the album part one. And then as far as I go, I mean, I know I can help a lot of these musicians out that, first of all, my guys right here, I'm going to have to take a hit on this. Or I could just fire them and then go pick them back up when I'm ready to go again. That's not how life works. That's not how I work anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for these guys right now during these tough times. And I'm going to take the hit. They're not going to lose any money. And then we're also going to, I know we're going to do a live concert here coming up soon um, on Instagram, social media, all those platforms with uh team up with Jack Daniels. And I think that thing's going to raise over a million dollars because of, because of Jack Daniels and Brown Foreman. So, and all that money is going to go to the, the live musicians that are out of work right now. So that's one thing. That's I really do. cool. Yeah. And that was Jack Daniels idea. I can't take credit for that one. They came to me. That's with the really, really cool. Yeah. I've worked with Jack Daniels for a long, long time. And the coolest part about that was I didn't sell out. I didn't go work with another liquor company because they were going to pay me. I waited. I was like, no, I drink Jack Daniels. That's who I want to work with. And it took us like seven years to get that deal done. And now the Jack Daniels isn't the biggest part of that. The people that work at Jack Daniels and Brown Foreman are the biggest part of that. And and that's allowed us, just me waiting for the right move and, and the people that I really wanted to work with, and that's Jack Daniels led this to all of a sudden this would have never happened we'd never be able to raise a million bucks for musicians that are out of work if i hadn't you know if i would have just taken some money up front and worked with people that i didn't care about so that's that's just one small deal that i think is pretty cool about all this and like i said go listen to music go listen to the albums the music will be live again and when it is and when we're allowed to play again me and my band will be ready to go the simplest question i'll ask you before before we uh part ways Jack on the rocks, Jack and Coke, Jack straight up. What's if I'm what's going, your uh, what's your poison? If I'm going old number seven, I'm going Jack and Coke. I love good Jack and Coke. Oh, so good. But if I'm going single so barrel, good. which I do a lot, um, I have two barrels myself. I'm going if I'm going Jack barrel proof, which is real real strong. I'm going just Jack on Jack on nothing, just Jack neat, whatever you call that. I don't even know what's it called. Yeah. If I'm going my other barrel, which was the 19th barrel of 2015 that I bought, that's a single barrel, 94, uh, 94 proof, and I'm going Jack on the Rocks with that. So those are my three poisons right there. So you literally have barrels? You have barrels <laughs> of whiskey at home? Yeah, well, they, they, they're empty now. They barrel, they bottle them for you, but I, I'm looking <laughs> at one right now. It's, it's, my, it's my pride and joy. It's my first one I ever bought. Um, yeah, it's the 19th barrel of 2015. And I, I bought that one at the end of my tour that I did there. I think that was before I ever worked with Jack Daniels. I just wanted a barrel. And then the other one I've got, it's a barrel proof that they actually gifted me. And that just comes out whatever. And I got actually my dad's gravestone, his tombstone, uh, is engraved on every single bottle and the barrel itself. So, yeah, it says, it says his tombstone on a little medallion I have right here. So that one's 132.9 proof. Um, which is 66% alcohol. <laughs> so it's, 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 you gotta be that ready is, for that. Be ready for that it. Is Don't not, shoot it. Not for, not for the faint, faint of heart. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I, I've loved talking to you, Jason, at some point would love to, uh, share a glass of Jack Daniels with you in Nashville. And, you know, I think in these crazy times, maybe we've proven that things, um, 
people can come together. I'm a Duke grad. You're a North, <laughs> University of North Carolina grad. We, and we can all get along. <laughs> well, we all know this, that, that the one year we weren't going to make the tournament, Carolina wasn't about to be left out of that thing. We were like, nah, we're going to fix this thing and we're going to have no tournament this year because we weren't invited. It all worked out. I won't, I won't even get into the – because no one – quite frankly, no one cares, but I won't even get into the, uh, the Duke Carolina football game this year where Duke was about to score and they threw it right into the hands of your old position. The, uh, yep. (laughs) Not the brightest play calling. Um, but I'll take it. But Hey, I I'll tell you this. And and again, let's get together at some point, but I love the Duke Carolina rivalry and I've always loved it. And to, to me, I think it's one of the coolest things in the world that you can have these rivalries that ultimately there, I think there's a lot of mutual respect, but we'll, uh, w- when things get back up and running with sports, let's rendezvous. I got a new man cave above the garage and it's, uh, it, it's going to have, it's got a great sports viewing setup. So let's hope sooner rather than later, we can do that. Hell yeah. Either that or, or you're more than welcome to come out of the farm. I got plenty of Jack Daniels and we'll do, we'll do either one. I'm down. Sounds good, buddy. Hey, take care and best during these crazy times. Yeah. Same for you, man. It's uh, it'll be fine, man. I think we'll come out of this and we'll be all right. That is true. The world is not ending, but, but genuinely enjoyed it, buddy. Yeah. No, great talking to you, Travis. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed listening. Do not forget to subscribe and download and tell your friends. I would love to build this community and continue to be all about authenticity, optimism, and hope. Uh, Looking forward to the next podcast. We'll see you soon. The Travis Stork Show podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.